0: Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com today from something that I've been reading, a character that we don't talk a ton about in church unless we're reading from Proverbs, and the character is Solomon, and uh, there's this real popular scripture right now that we've seen all over because our, our nation is in chaos, and you know we need revival in our land, and all that kind of stuff, and I love this passage that we have in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, which you guys have heard this a whole lot. Now, this is this is what God is speaking to Solomon. Now, now if you remember, we got off our Covenant series. We talked about David and how, how David had this vision. To build the temple, and building the temple was was Solomon's great work. Okay, this was this is really what God called him to. Do. We think our, the great work of Solomon was the Book of Proverbs, but really it was really building the temple. The vision that Jesus had, and then the line of David continued through Solomon until Jesus shows up on the scene. Yeah. And so, in Second Chronicles chapter seven, this is I'm, I'm going to read a, a portion, a chunk of it here today. Second Chronicles chapter seven, and you'll. It'll be real familiar when we get to the verse that you know what I'm talking about, especially during difficult times. It says this, the Lord appeared to him, again Solomon, at night and said, I've heard your prayer. And I mean, you know that's good when the Lord hears your prayer. I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. Now hold on to that thought and we'll come back to that. And then he says this in verse 13, when I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. He says this, if my people, right. this is the one we know, right? If my people who are called by my name yeah. will humble themselves All right. oh, All right. and pray and seek my face. Yeah. Do you guys see the posture of answer prayer right here? Humility, prayer, seeking. Humble themselves, pray, seek my face. And then this, not just pray, but have a change of heart. This is what he says. And turn from their wicked ways right? We think we just pray and something's going to happen. Sometimes there's got to be a turning of the heart. Oh, Listen, we, we want God to change our situation. He's going, I want to change you. I want you to pray. I want you to humble yourself. I want you to seek my face. I want you to get before me, but I want you to do, so, to have some changes in your life. Yes, come, on. come on. We call this repentance, right? That we change. So if you turn from their wicked ways, then, yes. whoa, So there's a condition. It's not just praying. It's not just hunger. It's not just repentance. It's all these things. It's all these things together. He says, if you do that, then I will hear from heaven. And I will primarily forgive their sins. How many know that the the, the root issue of there being brokenness and needing healing, the, 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 the root issue is the sin Right, we want God to bring the band aid and bring the healing, and He wants to He wants to reconcile the heart. So He says, "Forgive their sin and heal their land." Yeah. And that's what we want. We want, Lord, heal our land, heal our land. He's like, "Listen, I've got a great recipe for you. Yeah. I've got a formula. We hate, we don't like formulas because God's all about relationship. Yeah, but but there are actual formulas. There are actually things that God says. Listen, this is how you should pray. You want healing in your nation? Here's the recipe for it. You got to get humble. You can't do it." I know that you think that you're mighty behind your keyboard on your computer and, you know, spreading awareness and waking the whole world up. I know all that. He's saying, listen, I want you to humble yourself enough to where you think that you have nothing to do with it. Wow. And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and and then heal their land. Yeah. But I want to get to the sin issues. We, we are focused on results. God's focused on process. God's focused on heart. Then he says this, Now my eyes will be open and my ears attended to the prayers offered in this place. Everybody say this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. So what is he talking about? What is the context? Because we love this and it preaches so good. Right, it's great to have at our prayer gatherings. We love it. Yes, we should do that. This is a this is a recipe for transformation for a nation. But understand the context of this is not just God giving us a recipe. There's actually a huge narrative right here. So previously, on Second Chronicles, right? How we do those shows. You ever you, you see those TV shows where they where they show you the end of the movie and the, the rest of the movie is devoted to the beginning? Yeah. This, this is this is. I want to do that today I want to back up so let's look at this scripture let's pocket that let's remember that that's great preaches were good but let's back up for just a minute and let's talk about the context I want to talk today about dynamics of the dwelling place dynamics of the dwelling place you okay so Solomon uh, second Chronicles this is David dies Solomon comes in as king and he starts building this temple right before the presence of God was in a tent And the children of Israel were were traveling around the desert. You guys remember that? Well, they never quit using the tent. And so if you remember, David's like, God God shouldn't be in a tent. I'm in a palace. He's in a tent. This doesn't make sense. He should be in a palace. I'll build a home for you. And God's like, I'm not asking for that, but I'm so glad you did. But you can't do it because you have too much bloodshed, so I'll raise up Solomon. And, And when Solomon, God goes before Solomon, he's like, Solomon, what do you want? Solomon says, I want wisdom. And God said, because you want wisdom, I'll give you treasures and I'll give you money and I'll give you all these things. And God gave him an incredible amount of wisdom. But listen, the purpose of Solomon's life, the wisdom that God had given him is so that he could build this temple that David dreamed of. This was the primary purpose for his wisdom. Was it to build his kingdom? Was it even to build the nation of Israel? It was to build a house for God to dwell in. And so it took a lot of things. The first thing it took is it took excellence. And so if you will read over, over the details of, of First Chronicles and other parts in Scripture, you'll see how much Scripture is paid attention to detail, yeah. right? It's like it's this long, and it has to be this specific kind of material. Yeah. And this person has to do it. Have you ever read that, and you're like, oh, this is so boring, right? <laughs> Can we get back to killing people, please, right? <laughs> and we read through it, and there's all these little details. Why? Because God is a detailed God, right. God is very much in the details. He's excellent. God is excellent. God is morally perfect, right? But he's also meticulously excellent. He pays attention to detail. And, and, And then the second thing that they use is extravagance. Extravagance. That means they spent a lot of money. In fact, I believe if Solomon was alive today, people would be saying, you don't need to put that money into the temple. You need to go feed the poor. And he said, listen, I have something, feeding the poor is critical, it's important, but let's get the first thing first. Let's build a place for God to dwell, and let's spend some extravagance on it. Now, I'm not saying that we spend like $10 billion for a steeple, I'm not suggesting that. However, there is nothing wrong with spending money for God's house, for God's people. And so he, he. in fact, it wasn't, it was, it was so excellent that he had materials shipped in so extravagant that he had materials shipped in from all over the world the best wood in the world the best gold in the world all this was brought in why because he is materialistic no because he was doing it for god so he said whatever we give to god has to be the very 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 best and when you think it's good enough think again extravagance god deserves the very very best he deserves excellence he deserves extravagance and i'm sure the criticism was high This is the place where people are going to carry out worship to Yahweh. We want to make sure that this place is as perfect as we can get it because God's going to dwell there. And the third thing that it took is energy, hard work, and investment. This is what worship looks like. Excellence, paying attention to detail, doing everything as unto the Lord. Right? It, it, It looks like extravagance. Extravagance means more than enough. God, you may say, Well, God just wants me to raise my hand. So extravagance says, Well, I'll just raise them a little higher. Right? Extravagance says, I will give all more than more than I even have the ability to give. Yeah, good. And the third thing with worship is it, it takes it's work, it's it's laborious. <laughs> but the good thing about worship is it's a, it's a love connection. So when you do work, it doesn't feel like labor, it feels like love right and so this is this is what he builds when he builds a temple it takes all these things and you can read about that in first chronicles or second chronicles sorry in second chronicles chapter five this is what it says so here he is he gets the temple built and he's like okay let's call the people together let's bring the ark of the covenant in it's time it's time to dedicate the temple we've been building this this was in my dad's heart here we've got it god it's all ready for you we've put the work in we put the money in we put the labor in here it is and then it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13: Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, the singers raised their voice. Come on, don't you love that? The singers. So they had singers, right? And they had musicians. I don't know what it sounded like, but I bet it sounded awesome because there were thousands of people there gathering, musicians from all over the world, singing: going, Here it is! Here's a place where God's gonna dwell! And they raise their voices and praise to the Lord, and they sing this. He is good, and his love endures forever. Can you say that with me? He is good, and his love endures forever. Say that again. He is good, and his love endures forever. This is the song they sang. And so when they sang this, then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud. Now, this is the same cloud that Moses and the children of Israel saw in the desert, right? The one that they followed around this cloud. All of a sudden, they bring the covenant in. They say, Lord, here it is. We're singing, you're good. Boom, this cloud fills the temple. We call this the Shekinah glory, right? Shekinah. Sounds so spiritual when you say it. Just, if you're not feeling spiritual today, just say Shekinah, right? Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and it says this, the priests could not perform their services because of the cloud. It was so thick and so tangible and so heavy that they had to stop working. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple. I'm going to give you three dynamics today, and the first one is this. The first dynamic of the dwelling place is the glory, and the glory is this, the weight of God. The weight of God. When there's weight, you know it. Have you ever been driving your vehicle and you packed up the trunk with weight? And it drives different, right? When you have weight on it, it performs a little different, right? Women that have been pregnant, they perform. Why? Because there's, there's a weight that they're carrying. Right? right? Yeah. It changes things. Yeah. Now, I want to remind you today, real quick, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, dynamics of the dwelling place, I want to remind you that under the new covenant, we are the temple. Right. There's not a temple anymore where the cloud is. Guess where the cloud is? Guess where the glory is? Guess where the weight is? It's in you. It's inside of you. Whoa, I don't, I don't think so. Well then today we'll give you the opportunity to invite. And we've already been doing that with singing, but now you can do it with surrender. And Second Chronicles 6:16, 6, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians, we're in Second Chronicles, but Second Corinthians says, "For we are the temple of the living God. right? The Lord paid attention to you, attention to detail. Come on, God's an excellent God, so the fact that he picked you means that you're a person of excellence, that you're a person that he wants to lavish extravagance on. How many know the cross was extravagant? Come on. And Jesus put the work in. Jesus, how much do I have to do to get God's approval? Jesus already did it. The work's already been done. It is finished. What part of that do you not understand? He did that to establish in you a dwelling place. You're a dwelling place. The purpose of the temple. There was one purpose for the temple. You know what it was? To provide a place for God to dwell. For them to offer sacrifices to the Lord who was dwelling there. A place of worship. A place for God to dwell. Guess what your purpose is? Your purpose in life, listen, is not to make the world a better place. But to give God space to dwell. We think that we're just here to change the world. Listen, you can do all your efforts, but if it's not done by the glory of God and his kingdom, it is all in vain. Give him space to dwell. Give him space in your life. That is your purpose. Your purpose is to be a place for God to dwell, hosting the presence. That's what we're about. So uh, dynamics of the dwelling place. Number one is is the weight of God, the glory. The, The word in Hebrew is kabod the kabod of God, the weight of God, the heavy, tangible, thick weight of God. You know how it is like when you're in worship and you're like, boom, whoa, God's here. Yeah. What was that? That was a measure of his glory. You experienced his glory, yeah. right? And it was, oh, it hit me, right? Or you're in the car and you're driving down the road, you, oh, the anointing. Actually, that's the wrong word for it. The word is the glory. You're experiencing the weight, the tangible, the presence of God, the heaviness. And then we talk about Shekinah, you need to learn that word, right? Instead of saying another S word when somebody pulls out in front of you in traffic, say, Shekinah! <laughs> right? Shekinah means Shikana means this, the dwelling place or the settling of God's presence. Psalm 22, 3 says this. We're familiar with this, and we did this today. It says, you are wholly enthroned in the praises of Israel. What does that mean? That means when we praise the Lord... He sets, he puts his weight on it. When you sat down in that seat, what did you do? You put your weight on it. You put your glory on that chair. Don't put too much. (laughs) That's what you did. When you walk in, when I walk into the room, my kids have been misbehaving. When I walk into the room, the room changes. Why? Because my quote unquote glory has showed up. My weight has entered the room. And something changes. Right? I'm present. Sometimes it needs to be Leslie. Sometimes it needs to be me. We both carry a different kind of glory. (laughs) It's okay. But listen, when praise goes up, glory falls. That's why worship is such a powerful time. Praise up, glory falls. So when God brings his weight, and get this, when God brings his weight, oh, get this, the work ceases. Just like with these guys. So when Jesus, who is the fullness of God's glory, shows up, the work ceases. Jesus is the Sabbath. He put the work in. So So now, it's not that we don't ever work again. It's that now we work differently because we function under a different weight. It doesn't mean that we don't ever have labor it just means that we do it different than we did before now it's not painful now it's not excruciating why because we're operating under a different weight it's not Josh Brown's weight it's not Josh Brown's discipline it's Josh Brown's surrender to the greater weight the greater glory so it doesn't mean that we'll never do anything again it means that we will never do anything the same again so when God brings his weight The work ceases and this is why jesus said it's done you don't have to build temples anymore i'm building the temple how about that so that's the first dynamic is the weight of god or the glory of god because sometimes we have it's important that we know these words right we're like oh the glory what do do you mean by that and it helps you oh his weight that means like it's tangible i i'm sensing the lord right now what is that that's that's a measure of god's glory so good the second thing is this, we get a sustained weight. Now, I love glory moments, right? I love worship. I love, well, come on. Woo! Fill it, chill bumps, whatever, crying, whatever. I love it. Yeah. So good. So good. But God wants and brings sustained glory. Come on. It's not, it's not something that lifts. We say this, you know. all oh, the anointing has lifted. Why do you lift it? <laughs> doesn't mean that it feels the same. Listen, we're not, we're not identifying this strictly as an emotion. However, there are emotions with it, right? Just like love. Love is not an emotion, but it carries emotions. So a uh, sustained way. So we love the glory moments, but God wants to bring glory sustained. Remember what it talks about in, in Corinthians? It talks about that we have an unfading glory. In fact, we have a glory that is incredibly increasing. It's an increasing glory. So Solomon... So we talked about this right after he builds it in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. And then later on in the chapter, he prays this. Now, my God, may your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. And then he says this, listen. Now arise, Lord God, and come to your resting place. Come to your resting place. Isaiah 66 says this, the Lord says, who will build a place for me to dwell? Where is a place that I, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool, but I need a place to rest. So Solomon saying, I will provide a place for the Lord to rest. Lord, come. We've done everything that we can do, Lord. Now come to your resting place. So he's not just praying that 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 the glory would show up for a moment and do incredible things. No, he's saying, Lord, Would you send your glory, and would it stay here? Sustained. See, they had a tent. A tent isn't a home. (laughs) I want a tent. I I love going and hanging out in a tent. Give me a couple days in a tent. But I don't want a couple years in a tent. Because a tent's not my home. A tent is not a home. It's not adequate to sustain the life that I live. And a tent was not adequate. And even a temple, come on, as great as it was, was not adequate. A tent isn't a home. It's a temporary dwelling. But God wants permanence of residence. Listen, beloved, you've heard me say it before. God is not a weekend's God. He is not a weekend God. He's not a part-time God. He's full-time, and he wants his glory. He wants his tangible presence to be full-time in our life. doesn't mean that it's always going to feel that way, but it means that the weight is always on us, and we always function different, not just when we're at church, not just when we're around the pastor, not just whenever we're controlling our behavior because the kids are in the room. No, that we're always functioning with this weight. Remember, Jesus talks about this, John 15 abide in me and I will abide in you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Mino in me, live, dwell, make me your dwelling and I'll live in you. So, how do we remain in that? Jesus says, if you obey me, if you walk in love, my glory will remain in you. So, we want him here at Overflow, we want him to rest here. We love the moments. Right, we love the flashes of the pan. We love the big Yes! We want it always. We want him to rest here. We want him to rest here. We want him in our lives. We want him in our in our in our movement. And most will be content with a visitation of the glory of God. Most people want that. And you can watch it by their prayers. Lord help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I need some glory to get me through this situation. I need some strength to get me through today. I'm having a difficulty, Lord, so I need you to visit. I need you to show up. Rather than walking under the rest and the weight of the Lord, then, then it's a constant communion with the Lord. Then we're not reacting to every emergency. We're responding with the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So most of you content with the visitation of the glory of God, but we are building a place for God to dwell. So, we there's there's a when we talk about enthronement when God being enthroned, what do you do on a chair? We talked about this a while ago. You rest. Yeah. If you go and you lay down in your bed, what are you doing? You're you're resting. How many know you weigh differently in your bed? You you weigh the same amount of pounds. Like right. you know, for me it's like 213 pounds. So for me, like laying on my bed it's 213 pounds. But if you come and pick me up, that 213 pounds feel different than it does in my bed, right? We call that dead weight. Right? Do we have that picture on there? We don't have it. Okay. So, um, Uriah, our youngest son, uh, has has uh, he, he's really big. Okay, he's re- really really big for his age, and so and he also has like some some low muscle tone, which causes him to kind of kind of uh, get tired a little easier. And so, a couple of years ago, we went to Disney World, and I don't I don't have the picture, uh, but. We we went to Disney World and we're walking around. You know how Disney World is it's 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 really not that great. I mean it's pretty exhausting. It's got a couple of big moments, some glory moments, but really the whole journey is like miserable if you're a parent, especially. And so we're it's hot and everything. And so at the end of the day, we got this picture of Leslie and she's holding Uriah and he's like down to her knees his head's on her shoulder and he was you know a couple years younger than he is now and leslie's face is just drawn and she's just wore out carrying this baby well he he might have only weighed you know like 40 pounds but he felt like he was 80 pounds why because he was asleep yeah. he was resting and she's just holding him there well, he's a lot a lot heavier when he's asleep and you guys that are parents you know it's different when you got to pick him out of that come on pick him up out of that car seat you're like oh <laughs> it right it's like carrying bag of concrete it's hard whereas if they're awake it's a little easier why because that's resting weight and it's different so listen when we ask the lord to come and dwell he's he's resting on it and what our tendency is to do this is we like to manage god's weight we like to say god uh would you would you come and or balance it out if you will and so we're like oh lord it's just, it's just. listen when we balance or manage the weight of god we diminish his glory We diminish his glory, and he does not want to be diminished. He wants free reign in our lives. And I would also suggest this to you, that the key of overcoming the struggles in your life is having more of God's resting weight on them. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul, love his passage. Paul is talking to the church. He's like, listen... I know that it's hard. I know it's difficulty. I know that many of your brothers and sisters are dying of the faith. I know that many of you are in poverty. I know that many of you are, are suffering disease. I know that you are in a season. I know the whole entire church is in a season of suffering. And this is what he says. Is for, he says, for our light. Now this is, we, we look at it. and we're like, we're light, light. And he's talking about people dying for their faith. People being persecuted for this faith. For our light and momentary What makes them light? What makes them light is their momentary. He says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us. Here it is. An eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Other words, life is heavy. News is heavy, (laughs) right? Dealing with people in 2020 is heavy. Dealing with people in 2020 is a lot more heavy than dealing with coronavirus in 2020. If not, it's because you don't deal with people. But he says this, they're light and they're momentary. And they're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. So what do I have to do? I have to get more of God's weight on it. How do we do that? How do I get more? I need more of God's weight than I do the pressures of this life. And what we do is we succumb and we surrender. Come on, we react in fear. Come on, in frustration, we we, we get controlled by all these light and momentary things. I'm not making small of your issues. They're big to you. But to God, they're light. To God, they're momentary. To you, you need to get a perspective, beloved. Pull back a little bit and go, you know what? They're light and they're momentary compared to the heaviness and the weight of God. So what I need is I need the weight of God to come and crush anxiety. I need the weight of God to come and crush my fear, my insecurity, my frustration. He's heavier. He is heavier. Outweighs them all. So this is what we do. How does it work, Paul? I'll tell you. We don't fix our eyes on what is seen. We fix our eyes on what is unseen. You can't always see. You're not always experiencing the glory of God, but you're, you're fixing your eyes on the eternal realm where God is dwelling, where Jesus is seated, resting on the throne. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we want his weight to outweigh ours. We want to be overwhelmed, not by life, but by God. How many know that God rules from this position called rest? Je- Jesus already put the work in. He's not up in heaven. Work, God, work in my situation. Jesus already put the work in. Maybe what we need to pray sometimes is, Lord, work this situation for me, for my good. And this is what we have the promise of in Romans 8. God works all things together for good that those who love Him are called according to His purpose. And what we want most of the time is we want God, God just, just, just make that the situation go away. He's like, listen, it's working in for you a heavy weight. So if you'll allow the heavy weight to come and crush that weight, you're going experience, to experience more of my presence. So, so God rules from a position of rest. We rest when we trust. So we need to give it a rest, right? Just give it a rest. Trust Him. When we rest, we rest from it. When we rest from it, He rests on it. When we rest from it, he rests on it. How many need God to rest on something in your life? You need his weight to crush that. I I remember 2010, we were, Josh remembers, we were going through a difficult season, man. It was hard. I lost my job of 11 years. Our, Our marriage was going through the most difficult season we had ever gone through. We were broken off from all the relationships that were important to us in our lives and I didn't have a job I was looking for a job I was working nights at super target so I didn't have to find uh, so I didn't have to see anybody I decided to make a work the night shift so I could make a quarter more an hour and so I didn't have to tell anybody and I didn't have to see anybody And I remember every day going, you know, and, and there were some great victories. I mean, there were some great victories during the se- season. I mean, I was, I was still Pastor Josh at Target. You know what I'm saying? Like I was still an ambassador for the Lord. It had nothing to do with my job. Right. However, it was incredibly draining and I was we were extremely discouraged. We didn't know how God was gonna provide. We didn't know what God was gonna do. And I just remember, I just remember I would get get him, I, I sold the truck that I love to get a little car because we we thought perhaps we might move to the Metroplex. And so, I uh, bought this little car, and I remember, like, driving one day specifically, just remember driving home and just being so, like, overwhelmed with disappointment and discouragement. And I remember just sitting. The sun had just come up, and I'm sitting in our driveway, and I'm just listening to this song, and the lyrics say, Just settle down. Just settle down. Storm won't last forever. You're built for more. This world. And I just remember singing the song. It wasn't like a worship song. It was just a rock band. It was awesome. It's like, yes, Lord, settle down. And I just remember just sitting there in my driveway, my music blaring at like five in the morning. The sun's just come out. And I'm just weeping. And the weight of God is just filling my car. And I'm just humbling myself. And God's just, I've got you. You've been through harder times than this. Just crushing all the anxiety and all the fear. That was a turning point in my life. It was a turning point in my season. Why? Because I was allowing God to rest. It's allowing God to crush all that. Listen, anywhere God is seated, his enemies are defeated. Anywhere God is seated, his enemies are defeated. Anywhere that God is seated, his enemies are defeated. If we will praise him, he will be enthroned. He will sit down and crush. And it brings he brings everything in his kingdom with it. He brings the freedom that crushes bondage. He brings the peace that crushes anxiety. He brings the joy that crushes disappointment. He brings the hope that crushes despair. He just crushes all those enemies of your soul. He crushes them. Why? Because he's the king nothing will outrule him. Will you invite him? Will you invite him? So we see these two things, which are the same, the glory, the more glory, the sustained weight. And the third thing that we see is the fire. Now listen, this is all before we pray, heal our nation. We're saying, I want God. Before we pray, Lord, heal our nation, we're saying, God, I want you, me, I want you. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, Solomon prays this prayer of dedication. Chapter 6 is where we see a lot of things we're talking about. And then in chapter 7, it says, When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven. So we got this cloud, we got this weight. Nobody's working. They're like, oh, so heavy, can't do anything. Then the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering, consumed the thing that they had offered the Lord and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. There it is again. I thought the glory was already there. It was and more. The priest could not enter the temple because the glory of the Lord filled it. And when the Israelites saw the fire come down because they were outside, they saw the fire come down. So we have the cloud that they saw in the desert, right? And now they're seeing the fire that they saw in the desert, right? The cloud by day, the fire by night. Now they're seeing the fire come down and consume the sacrifices. The same, the same fire that Elijah saw on Mount Carmel, that same fire that shows up in Acts chapter two and ignites the church. It's that, that same fire comes in and burns what they had offered the Lord. And the priest couldn't even go in and so here they are, they're looking at it. And it says this, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground. Wow. See, I want an encounter with God that doesn't just make me go, yay, everything's good. I want such an encounter of God that I'm so overwhelmed and overpowered by his glory that my face has to hit the ground and I'm going, man, God, you are too powerful and too awesome. I cannot even stand here. Yes. I cannot do anything yes. but stand in awe and be amazed by your wow. power. And they worshiped and gave him thanks, saying, again, he is good. Yeah. And his love endures forever. That's all they could mutter. They're like, we have these lyrics to this song. They can't think of any more lyrics. They just say the same one again. Yeah. So when people are like critical, I'm just repeating the song lyrics, repeating the song lyrics. I'm like, read the Bible. There's a lot that happens. I know you might not like the Bible much, but apparently. Um, listen, it's that same fire that Paul told Timothy to fan. Yeah. Second Timothy, he said, he said, he said Timothy, Listen. I know you got that fire in it. You fan the flame. Remember the the Levites, the Levites are the priests. They're the ones that minister to the Lord. The Lord said, listen, I will light the fire, but you've got to keep it going. You've got to put wood on the fire. I remember right here, I was laying right here on this front row, I think it was four years ago, and I called the church to pray for four weeks. And like many Saturday nights now, I was the only one there. Yeah, that was kind of a rebuke. So I was laying right here. Yeah, oh yeah, I need it. And I remember laying right here, and the Lord said, "Don't let the fire go out." (laughs) And I I literally said this. I said, "Lord, what fire? There's no fire here. I'm the only one. (laughs) Where are they at, Lord? We called them to pray. They didn't show up. It's the most important. We most important ministry. Here we are, Lord. Nobody shows up. Don't let the fire go out. Really?" What fire? So I had to start this Saturday night prayer thing that we do now. It took me a while to do it. And because I waited on it, I was discouraged for about nine months. Wow. Long <laughs> a long time. Because I was like, what fire? And God's like, the fire's there, but I want you to put wood on it. So we're, we're counting on God. God, bring the fire. God, bring the fire. God, bring the fire. God's like, I'm bringing the fire, but are you giving me something to consume? Yeah, that's good. Are you giving me something to burn? See, wow. God lights a fire, but we've got to feed the fire. So how do we keep the fire burning? By crawling on the altar. See, fire always falls on sacrifice. Always does. We all want fire. We don't want to sacrifice. Yeah. Beloved, don't expect the fire of God in your life if you're not willing to feed it. How do you feed it? By dying to your sins, by dying to yourself, by crawling on the altar. Yeah. Doesn't mean self-mutilation, unless you miss what I'm laying down here. Romans 12.1, this is what worship looks like. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, not his angry fire, not his fire of judgment, but his fire of passion. Right, in view of God's mercy, in view of the mercy of Jesus, the mercy poured out on Jesus, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So, not not the physical death that would happen to a goat or a lamb, but a life that says, I'm laid down, my life is surrendered, my life is yielded to your weight. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your proper worship. What is a proper worship is that I'm living in surrender. Not my opinion, not my will, not my achievements, my surrender. Not my gifts, not my talents, my surrender. All those things come along when I'm surrendered. All of them. And so I believe the call today. I, I, my pastor, Pastor Adams, said this, and it shot through me like fire on Thursday. He says, I want to be like Jesus. He says, I want to be like Jesus. I want to die a good death. I was like, and he just kind of casually said it, and I was like, wow! I weren't preaching on that Sunday. I want to be like Jesus. I want to die a good death. I don't want to. I don't want to weep all the way to the altar. It doesn't mean that there wasn't a a moment of tension that Jesus had because he did. It was painful, and it will. Listen, it will be painful to lay yourself down. I know the world is preaching self care. God's saying self sacrifice. Sacrifice yourself. Yield your life to me. That doesn't mean that I'm against self-care, by the way. Y'all that know me, take care of yourself. But take care of yourself because you're a temple of the Lord. Are you hearing me? Take care of yourself for God's purposes. Not so you look better on Instagram. You might look better on Instagram, though, if you surrender some cheeseburgers like me. But that is not the purpose. The purpose is that God will be glorified in my life. I want to be like Jesus. I want to live, die a good death. Yes. A self-surrender, a sin-surrender, a struggle-surrender. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your kindness. Yes. So, Lord, right now in this moment, Lord, we're just kind of crawling up on that altar. Yes. Will you join me on the altar? <laughs> Will you join me on the altar? Can we just stand up all across this room? Will you join me on the altar? Will you join me on the altar? Listen, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning to humble myself. I'm learning to surrender myself. I'm learning to yield myself. I'm, I got a long way to go, but there's a lot less of me left than there used to be. I got a long way to go, but I want the fire of God. I want the Lord to look at this sacrifice of my life and be pleased. I want his heart to be wrecked. In view of God's mercy, crawl on the altar. In view of God's mercy, crawl on the altar. In view of God's mercy, a self that surrendered. Some of you today, you need to yield your life to Jesus in this moment. You haven't been living a life surrendered to Jesus, but you say, you know what? Today, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Anyone here, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. I want to walk you through just a simple prayer to start that process. Anybody here? Yeah, I'll pray with you. The second thing is this. Is a sin surrendered? Some of you have some sin issues in your life. It's probably hidden. Today, you want to make the choice and the decision. You want to say, yeah, it ends here. I'm putting that sin on the altar today. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's slander. Maybe it's sexual immorality. But it's a sin that you've kind of kept around and you've given permission for in your life. A sin surrendered. A self-surrendered, a sin surrendered. And some of you have a struggle that needs to be surrendered. And you've been fighting and clinging and holding and doing everything in your power to control a situation, a struggle. God's saying, I'll take that too if you'll give it to me. I'll take that too. I'll burn that up on my altar. I'll burn that up on my altar. I'll gladly take the sin. I'll gladly take the struggle. I'll take all of it. I'll take you. I'll fill you with my spirit. We have people at the, at the front here. We call this the altar. We, call this, we used to call this the altar. Up at the front, I'll call it the altar today. Today, you need someone to pray with you. You need need some help yielding some of these things. Maybe it's a struggle. Maybe it's a process you're going through and you're you're tired. Hmm. That's what I was that day. When I was sitting in my little car outside of her house, I was tired. I was tired of striving and fighting. And God asked me, are you tired? I said, yeah. And at that moment, I I allowed his glory to crush it. I allowed his fire to fall. I allowed his fire to consume it. A self-surrendered. A sin surrendered, a struggle surrendered, wherever you're at.